return in God's inspired word this morning to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attend unto wise counsels to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. And forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us wait for blood, lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause, let us swallow them up alive as the grave, and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of the concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded but ye have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. 
For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. I call your attention this morning to Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the children baptized this morning, all sons, are not yet able to receive and embrace the instruction of the text that we consider this morning. Someday when they are older, and if the recording of this sermon is still available, they might listen to it. But the sacrament of baptism is not just for the children who are baptized. The sacrament of baptism is for the congregation, for you and for me. And the word preach, the gospel which is signified and sealed in that sacrament, is for you and for me. But this morning, the word is addressed especially to the young people of the congregation. It is Solomon's exhortation to his son, and as preserved by the Holy Spirit for you and for me, it is God's instruction for you sons and daughters who are yet under the oversight of father and mother and subject to them, and as the content of that instruction comes from fathers and mothers, the text has also application to you and by implication for the whole congregation. The theme this morning I take from the words of the text my son, hear instruction. Because the instruction we are to hear is defined by the text, we develop the theme by considering, first of all, the instruction to be heard. Secondly, we give attention to the address of the text, my son. And finally, we shall look at the fruits of hearing the instruction of your father, and forsaking not the law of your mother. So the instruction to be heard, first of all. Second, recognizing who you are. And finally, realizing the fruits of hearing instruction. The text speaks of the instruction to be heard. It speaks of such instruction in terms of the instruction of thy father and the law of thy mother. Implied in the text and not to be overlooked is the fact that this instruction is given by father and mother. Parents must be of one mind in this, which means, young people, this text affirms what the Bible teaches when it says you must marry in the Lord. In the Lord. Solomon speaks of faithful instruction being given by father and mother 
who are one in the faith. In the remarks that follow, I am not speaking about our congregation, although I'm sure that this is a fault in some of our homes as well. But in general, if you ask young people about the struggles they face, you find that when it isn't problems in relationships with their peers, it is problems in their relationships with their parents. Some of the grumbling about parents might be a sinful reaction against the parents taking a position contrary to the desires of their son or their daughter, something which parents deem would be harmful to them. Parents sometimes say no to protect their children, even when it causes conflict with the child. And you young people must understand that, that too, your parents are looking out for your spiritual and physical welfare. That's their calling. And they do so with a whole lot more experience than what you have. But then you have young people who are troubled by their home life. Some really have no home life. They know very little about relationships when it comes to father or mother. They do not experience in the home the reflection of God's covenant fellowship with his people in Christ that our homes are to reflect. My dad's too busy for me. All mom does is crab at me. I hardly exist in their lives. That's certainly true in the world. You look at the trouble in the inner cities, which trouble is found to some degree even here in Loveland, where you have young people roaming the streets all hours of the night, getting into trouble, even committing serious crimes. You have to realize these are children without parental supervision. In many circumstances, they enjoy no parental love or relationships. But how many young people are not found in the church who only have a very limited relationship with father or mother? And often that lack of true covenant fellowship in family life leads to adversarial relationships. How blessed are you young people who have a good relationship with your parents? And thankfully, there are many who can say that and who will acknowledge that their parents, although not perfect, are right most of the time. But parents must remember that the calling to instruct our children is a matter of explicit emphasis in Scripture. With the giving of the law came the words, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, 
and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. That emphasis is found throughout Scripture. We sang from Psalm 78 of showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful deeds that he hath done. To be able to say, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother can hardly be said by a father who never spends time intentionally teaching his son that which is worth hearing and remembering. It can hardly be said by a mother who pursues her own career and isn't around to provide that ongoing instruction of relationship. If we are so intent on burying our faces in our handheld devices that we hardly have time to look at our children in the eye and speak to them, then how can we speak to them the words of this text? My son, hear the instruction of thy father. That son will just say, what instruction? The importance of giving the instruction that Solomon would give his own son is twofold. First, that instruction is absolutely necessary because of our inclination to wander. We realize that our children are born with the same sinful natures that we bear. Later, in Proverbs 22, verse 15, Solomon would remind us that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The baptism form speaks of our children being conceived and born in sin, subject to all miseries, yea, to condemnation itself. In other words, we come into this world naturally foolish. We are wired by our sin, the sinfulness of our natures to wander into ways that bring us into all misery. Habitually, we act in ways that are inappropriate, hurtful to ourselves and to others. Those little lambs are ready to wander. And when they get bigger, they tend to think they don't need guidance. They can well make their own smart decisions and decide what they like to do. They don't realize they still need the protection of the good shepherd, the protection which he alone provides and his instruction. 
They need to grow and increase in their understanding, also their spiritual understanding, under the guidance of their parents. They need instruction that they might make wise decisions that glorify God. That takes years. There's a reason our children are in our home for years. Takes years of being nurtured and instructed, of being corrected and receiving correction. And if faithful instruction is not given, if you young people do not develop in wisdom, you are going to make bad choices and face painful consequences. That's the reality of our sinful natures. Faithful instruction must be given. That instruction must also be heard. But as I said, the importance of that instruction is twofold. The second reason it's important is because God has given us family life to express the fellowship of God's covenant within the life of the family so he would have us glorify him. And so he would use the godly instruction of Christian parents to gather those elect children in the line of continued generations. He would reveal the glory of his own covenant fellowship to his people in Christ by the faint reflection that is seen in the homes of Christian families as well as in the congregations of those who worship him in the unity of the faith. But enough concerning the calling that the text implies that fathers and mothers instruct their children. What is the content of that instruction referred to by the text? The instruction of your father refers specifically to all that instruction that he gives you from God's inspired and authoritative word. I grant you there is value in teaching your son to do certain things. There's value in playing ball with him in teaching him how to hunt or fish, for example, how to fix things. Primarily, the value of such things is that you spend time with your son and build or maintain a relationship with him. And I trust you understand, fathers and mothers, the same holds true with your daughters. But let's remember, if that's all you teach your son. You have failed miserably in your calling as a father because your primary calling as a father, the calling that will also belong to your son someday, is not merely that you are the breadwinner in the home. It's not seen in your ability to fix things. It's not that you teach your children to play ball or to hunt and fish. Your calling first and foremost, is that you establish a relationship with your son 
in which your son looks to you, knowing that he will receive from your instruction wisdom in godliness and will receive from you the instruction in that life that is in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. The summary of that instruction is found in a word not found in the text, but which is the central word of the entire book of Proverbs, namely, wisdom. Young people, whether we speak of the instruction of your father or the law of your mother, the central theme of all that instruction must be wisdom. Wisdom. But let's remember then what wisdom is as scripture defines it and particularly the book of Proverbs defines that concept. In verse 20, wisdom is presented as a person. When I read verses 20 through 23 again, you're going to hear wisdom presented as a she, not because wisdom is female, but because the noun in the Hebrew language is a feminine noun. In many foreign languages, words are designated either masculine, feminine, or neuter. The word wisdom in the Hebrew language is a feminine word. That's why wisdom is presented here as a she. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Wisdom speaks. Wisdom is the word of God to us. And who is the word of God? You children know the answer to that question. Who is the word of God? Here's a hint from John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Here's another hint, John 1 verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the, glo- the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, don't you? The word of God is the Son of God, who become flesh, is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is wisdom. And that's demonstrated too in Proverbs chapter 8. To have wisdom 
is better than rubies, and all the things that are to be desi- that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Proverbs eight verse eleven. You see, children, young people, you must know Jesus, and knowing Him, you must hear Him. So we read in Proverbs 8, verse 34, Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. Why must you know him? Because only in Jesus are you and I acceptable with God. But when we say... You must know Jesus. You must understand that the instruction given by a godly father and mother is more than telling you about Jesus. Jesus, who he is and what he has done, is at the heart of our instruction. But remember just what what we just heard. The word of God speaks. Wisdom speaks. So fathers and mothers are to convey to their children what the Lord has to say. And wisdom instructs us in every aspect of our lives. Let's think of that instruction just in terms revealed to us by the writer to the Proverbs. Writer of the Proverbs. If we look at the opening verses of this chapter we find that these Proverbs were written by Solomon that those for whom he wrote might know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. Chapter 2 begins this way. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her As for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So the content of that instruction is to be considered a treasure. It's content that gives good direction, that would keep us from the pathway of folly and self-destruction. Chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. This instruction is founded upon sound doctrine. There's spiritual substance to this instruction. Now, just what does that mean specifically? 
I call your attention to just four things. If we come back to the first chapter, just before our text, we read in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. A godly father teaches his children to fear Jehovah. That is, to stand in awe before him who is God alone. Our children must be taught who God is. They must be taught that God is God alone. That he is the creator, our creator. And therefore, the one who owns us. That God is the one who governs all things by his determinate counsel. That he's perfectly holy exalted above all that is called creature. Our children must know these things. But our children must also be taught that this great God is also the one who has taken into the fellowship of his own life, his own covenant life, us, who by nature are given to folly, who are sinful, who repeatedly offend him by our sins, that he has taken us to himself and embraced us by as his own, means, therefore, that he is gracious and merciful, that he is loving and perfect justice. And yes, just is he. Our children must know that too. They must know that God has the right to demand obedience from us and to punish us when we disobey. That's why we need Christ. The Christ sent by God as his precious gift to us. The one who would bear that justice of God in our place and on our behalf and impute to us his righteousness. That all belongs to the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. And that's why the fear of the Lord keeps us from evil. It nurtures humility. And casts casts aside that thought that would set me and my mind above God and above my parents. To fear God is to flee folly. In addition, so my second example is that wisdom applies to our relationships to the opposite sex. Wisdom upholds the word of God with application to the sanctity of holy marriage. Wisdom teaches us, Proverbs 18 verse 22 that a godly wife is a gift from God. And how blessed is the home where a wife and mother reflect the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. But that means, Father, that primary in the godly instruction of your sons is to show him what it is to love your wife to nourish and cherish her as Christ does the church. 
that's fundamental to holding before our sons and daughters the relationship which marriage and our home life is to represent, namely, of Christ to his church. On that basis, Solomon would also teach his son a proper view of sexuality. We are to teach our sons and daughters to flee fornication, but positively, the calling of wisdom is set forth this way in Proverbs 5, verse 18. Rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Which means, young men, you are to te- treat these young women with honor, recognizing that they together with you belong to our Heavenly Father and to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Understanding the importance of sexual purity is to understand the sanctity of the sexual relationship within the intimacy of the marriage bond as it reflects the intimacy of the unbreakable covenant relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. Sexuality is a beautiful gift of God, but it's a gift given exclusively for holy marriage. Our children must understand that. Thirdly, from the book of Proverbs, we also learn that our children must be taught to guard their speech. Positive instruction is to come from the mouth. We instruct our children, therefore, by speech that is praiseworthy. How much of the book of Proverbs doesn't warn us against a foolish and destructive tongue? Proverbs 4, verse 24 is only one example. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. That froward mouth is one that twists and distorts the truth. Perverse lips are those whose speech does not build up nor strengthen spiritually, but tears apart and destroys. What do our children hear from us? Our speech is powerful. The Bible also warns us how deadly and destructive it can be. Remember James chapter 4. Another point of instruction is the importance of godly friends. Parents must teach their children how they are to choose their friends and what, is to, what it is to be a true friend. Let's maintain the distinction between an acquaintance and a friend. You might work with an acquaintance. Your neighbor is an acquaintance. But a friend is one who seeks your spiritual good 
and who is a help to you on the pathway to heaven. A true friend will tell you when you are wrong because a true friend seeks your good. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Proverbs 27, verse 6. These examples are but a few of many illustrations in the book of Proverbs where the godly father gives his son instruction in the pathway of wisdom. I selected just four. But following our faithful Savior, we see that his word speaks with application to every aspect of our life and marks out the pathway that glorifies God. The text also refers to the law of your mother. That is parallel to the instruction of your father, refers to the same contents of instruction. But clearly there's a reason why the Holy Spirit inspired Solomon to speak of the law of your mother. There's, that's an interesting reference to the instruction that is to be given our children. Ultimately, that law, as we shall see, refers to the law of God, not confined to the Ten Commandments, but referring to all God's doctrine, which from that Old Testament perspective pointed God's people to Christ. But in doing so, that law set out boundaries, boundaries that were to mark God's people as holy, set apart to the glory of God. Children need boundaries. They absolutely must have boundaries. That's critically important for the spiritual, mental, and even emotional development of a child. A child without boundaries is a child on the road to disaster. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Proverbs 29, verse 15. But this also indicates that a mother being the primary caretaker of the child during the day when dad is at work, has the calling to teach the child obedience. The gospel, which includes all God's doctrine in which Christ has the central place, also requires obedience. That's not a new concept to us. Covenant children who belong to Jesus Christ are given this calling in Ephesians 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This also implies discipline. Boundaries must be enforced. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, 
Neither be weary of his correction, for whom the Lord loveth he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and despise not the law of thy mother, which means despise not the chastening of the Lord that comes from their hand. Proverbs 13, verse 24, says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. The use of that rod must be measured. It must be administered as carefully as the Lord chastens us, But godly instruction also involves discipline. That serves also to teach us to humble ourselves before the word of God as it comes to us through the chief means of discipline in faithful preaching. The second main point to which I would call your attention briefly this morning is this. When the text says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father, it immediately would have you recognize who you are. This address comes to you as a father's son. That means you're not your own. You belong to a family. God places us in relationships. That's true for our temporal earthly sojourn. He places us in relationships according to his will. In those relationships, we are to learn what relationships require of us. That those relationships might flourish in the best way possible. Sometimes those relationships might be very challenging. At any given time, those relationships might not even be healthy. So we are to grow in our understanding of what is required of us in those relationships that we might contribute to the strengthening of those relationships and as Christians see that those relationships reflect the relationship in which we live to our Heavenly Father in Christ Jesus. We are to know wisdom. We are to stand in our relationship to Jesus Christ and seek how he would have us live in reflection of that relationship. Do you see then how crucial is your relationship to Jesus Christ? If you have not that relationship to Jesus Christ by faith, there's no way that you can maintain healthy relationships in a marriage or family. But it's from that point of view 
that when we hear the words, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, we recognize more importantly that the address reminds you that you belong to God's family. The baptism of infants reminds us that children, specifically the elect children of believers, belong to those adopted by God in Jesus Christ and heirs of the everlasting covenant of grace. Baptism is a seal of the covenant of the righteousness that is ours by faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible, including the book of Proverbs, is addressed to covenant children, to those who belong to Jesus Christ by faith, those who are sanctified by Christ. You young people must remember who you are. Solomon's son was a child of the king. But you are sons and daughters of the king of kings. You must know that you belong to your faithful savior, Jesus Christ. That's the only way to hear the instruction of your father. That's the only way you will not forsake the law of your mother. To walk in wisdom is to know your life in him who is wisdom. And then also you shall realize the fruits of hearing the instruction of your father and forsaking not the law of your mother. Verse 9. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. The book of Proverbs warns us against the powerful influences of the world. Satan would use those foolish and destructive influences to rob us of the joy of our fellowship with Christ, the joy of our salvation. Those influences press upon us from every side, young people. Those influences are portrayed as the way of wisdom. But remember, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 19 tells us that the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. That's a quote from Job chapter 5. There we read in verses 12 and 13, He disappointeth the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness and the counsel of the froward is carried headlong. Beware the path you take. 
But according to the words of Proverbs 1 verse 9, it is the adornment of wisdom imparted by the instruction of godly parents that makes you attractive, that sets you apart in this world of darkness. Solomon is going to speak of that crown again in chapter 4 when he writes in Proverbs 4, verses 7 through 9, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver unto thee. That ornament of grace and the chains about the neck refers to the crown and chains received by the one who has obtained the victory. Scripture also speaks of another crown in contrast to this. In Isaiah 28 verse 1 comes the warning. Woe to the crown of pride. To the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. That's a crown of wasting, a demise that brings to death. But hearing the instruction of your godly father and forsaking not the law of your godly mother, recognizing the instruction is that of wisdom, given by him who is wisdom, you receive to yourself a crown and chains that remind you of your victory in Jesus Christ. You belong to him. Hear, therefore, the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Amen. Gracious Father, we thank thee for mercifully giving us thy word, calling us to the pathway that leads to heaven, pointing us to him who alone is wisdom, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, teach us and work in our hearts by thy Holy Spirit that we hear the instruction of wisdom even administered by our parents. For Jesus' sake, amen.